am so overwhelmed for the fact that, that we get to gain. We get to gain from what he deserved. God, he deserved a great reward for what he had done, but instead of giving that great reward, he gave that great reward to us. And God, I am so thankful that today we get to celebrate that. That's the reason we're here on a Sunday. God, the very first day of the week, the day that he arose. Lord, thank you so much Lord, for giving us this day. God, thank you so much for feeding us from your word, your daily bread. God, I pray that right now as we look at what you have said to us, that our hearts would be attentive, that our minds would be fixated on you, and that your Holy Spirit would be present in this place. God, we so desperately need to hear from you today. There are so many things going on in so many lives in this place, Lord. We can only lean into you and your Holy Spirit for the answers that we need. God, I pray right now that you be glorified as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been talking about the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? We've been asking that question because I think it's pertinent. I think we have to answer that question because I think if a lot of people asked us the question, what is the kingdom of God, I don't know that we could truly give that answer. Um, we hear a verse like, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things be added unto you. Like, okay, that's great. And, and, and so I, I just have to seek God and his righteousness and his kingdom. So what, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? Well, we talked about last week, and we'll say it again this morning as a spoiler. Um, his kingdom is his rule and reign in the hearts and lives of believers. Okay, that's what Jesus' kingdom is, what God's kingdom is right here, right now. Well, there is also a kingdom that is to come. See, right now it's an invisible kingdom. You can't really see that kingdom. You can't see God's rule and reign over somebody's life. You can see the evidence of God's rule and reign over somebody's life, but you cannot see him literally ruling and reigning over somebody's life. Well, there will be a time in the future where we will physically see it with our own eyes, that it will not be hidden anymore. It will be revealed to everybody. Um, and, and we call this the second coming of Christ, right? We call this when Jesus returns. Did anybody ever have one of those religious zealots in your family that just talked all the time about how they couldn't wait till Jesus returned? Do you ever have anybody like that? I had a crazy Aunt Mary. Um, that was her name, I think. Uh, crazy Aunt Mary was her name. Um, I used to, for whatever reason, I guess because my parents didn't like me, they would go and ship me off to Crazy Aunt Mary's house for a week. And, and, and I, I would watch uh, Benny Hinn and, and, and Billy Graham all week long, you know, and that was the only thing that was ever on TV. Um, if, if my sister, if she was here, she could testify to what I'm talking about because she, uh, she had to go through the same thing. Um, I love my Aunt Mary. I really do. And maybe she's watching on Facebook right now. Um, I love her to death. She's a great woman. But she used to, oh, Jesus, return. You know, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready for you to come on back and get us. We're, we're ready. You know, you know those kind of people that talk like that all the time? And, and I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Like just, just Jesus this and Jesus that. Every time you, you, she said anything, Jesus was in the center of every sentence, which is a great thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just it's kind of funny and hilarious to me. Um, one time, I'll tell you this story real quick about Aunt Mary, crazy Aunt Mary. So she's a bus driver, and, and my parents would ship me off for a week to go stay with her, like I said, because they didn't like me so much. So anyway, so I would go, and I would stay with Aunt Mary. Well, we would be out of school, and 
you know, she was over in Georgia, and their schools would still be going, so she'd still be driving the bus. So I, even during, so this ties into summer vacation really well. So even during summer vacation, I was still having to get up extra early to get on the school bus to ride the school bus with Mary because she promised to get us a Bojangles biscuit before we got on the school bus. So the funniest part of that story is the fact that uh, Mary, being this godly school bus driver that she was, um, she, she was sitting there, and she had a T-shirt on one day. And the kids started chuckling about the T-shirt that she had on. You know, they were like, they would chuckle when, she got on, when they got on the bus. She couldn't understand what they were doing. So finally, one of the kids who loves Aunt Mary uh, came up to her and said, Miss Mary, uh, do, do you know what that pretty little leaf is that's on your shirt? Yeah, you see where this is going, right? She said, I just thought it was a pretty leaf. I didn't know, maybe it's an oak tree or something or an elm or something. We're like, no, no, ma'am, that, that's not what that leaf is. That's not what it represents. So I don't even need to fill in that blank for you. Obviously, Aunt Mary had a different kind of leaf on her shirt. Godly Aunt Mary was driving around the school bus talking about Jesus with her pot leaf on her shirt. Um, <laughs> That is a hilarious story. And this is true, too. I can't even make that up. I mean, like, it's absolutely true. Um, so, so Mary was trying to connect with everybody is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, but but there, there are those people that, like, like, man, I can't wait for Jesus to return, you know. And even, even me, to some degree, uh, you know, we all have that desire for Jesus to return and come get us. Like, I am ready to be, you know, in that visible kingdom of God. I'm ready for Jesus to come and, like, come get us right now. I'm ready to go. Like, we have that mentality. And part of that is because of the broken world that we live in. Admittedly, that's part of it. I, I know that when my daughter passed away, that was one of the very first things that popped into my mind. God, if you could just come get us right now, and then we could all just go up to heaven and be with you and be in your presence. And, like, that would be amazing if we could just have that happen right now. And we all long for that, and we desire for that. And that is reality that we find in Scripture, that, that God's kingdom will come again. See, right now... There's only about a third of the prophecies about Jesus Christ that have really been uh, fulfilled in the Old Testament. And there's still two-thirds left to come. And that two-thirds is God's kingdom when it comes here to this earth. When he, when he sets up his rule and his reign visibly here in, in, on the earth. So that's what we've been talking about. We talked about last week. I'm going to back up just a little bit in our scripture this morning to, to verse 20 in Luke chapter 17. This is where we started last week. I'm going to start there again, and then we'll continue on a little further. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? So they're like asking this question oftentimes to try to trap Jesus and try to trip him up. And so they ask him another question, and they say, when will this kingdom of God come? Because they're wanting him to say that, like, I am the king. They're wanting Jesus to, to claim to be king. And, and see, before, they've already tried to, like, make Jesus king because... They've seen the signs of who he is and what he's about, and there's several of them that like took him and one tried to make him physically a king. And he's like, no, my time has not come yet. This is not the right time. And ultimately, he will be king, uh, and he is king in people's hearts right now. But what, what he's saying in, in this particular situation is like, that, this is not the time. So Jesus goes on to talk in a way that oftentimes the Pharisees can't really understand. The people that don't really have their hearts truly open to God and just have this religious system is what their, their hearts are really open to. Is they're, they're trying to just check all of these boxes and say that I'm right with God as a result of this, this, and this. And I can point to this physically without ever truly examining their hearts. 
a lot of times they're closed off to this invisible kingdom. So Jesus talks to him. He says, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. And what we said last week is that another way of saying this, and, and they didn't, the, the, the translators didn't necessarily want you to be confused by this. Another way of saying this is he was addressing the believers, the people that truly believed that he was the Messiah, that he was the King of King and kings and Lord of lords, that, that what he was saying is it's already inside you. But the translators didn't want you to be confused by that and think that he was talking to the Pharisees and saying it's already inside you because he was not talking to them. He was talking to a mixed crowd. Very often when Jesus would speak, he would be talking to Pharisees as well as believers at the same time. And I told you last week, I just picture in my mind that Jesus probably turned away from the Pharisees and addressed the crowd and said, it's already inside you, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in your life. That is the kingdom of God. So I started thinking about this, all right? If Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom one day, if he's going to return, like in the twinkle of an eye, boom, he's coming back and like everybody's going to know. We'll talk about that in just a second. Like, the way God rules, think about the way God rules. He, he doesn't take by force. The way God rules is he takes by love, right? Doesn't he love you to death almost? Isn't that the way he does the work in, in, in your life? Is that he, he truly, because he loves and you experience his love, and you begin to see yourself for who you really are, you begin to recognize the power of that love, and because of that, you surrender yourself and you become a, a, a part of his kingdom, right? That's the way Jesus works. When we think about the sacrifice on the cross, that is an ultimate picture of love. He, he told his disciples, he's like, this, I'm going to show you what love is really like. No greater love hath a man than he laid down his life for his brothers. He said, he said I'm going to show you what real love looks like. And, and, and God doesn't make a bunch of robots. He doesn't make a bunch of robots. So if God is going to set up an earthly kingdom one day, and he wants the people to be in that kingdom who are truly in that kingdom. See, because Jesus says that it's not just what you confess with your mouth, but what you believe in your heart, right? And that's what, that's what Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says, he says if you confess with your, your mouth, but you believe in your heart, you will be saved. You will be part of this kingdom. So Jesus is all about people being a part of his kingdom that are really in his kingdom, brought into his kingdom by love. Now, if you, if you wait until Jesus comes back, and boom, all of a sudden you can see everything, and you can see God's kingdom coming in a second, and he's coming to set up his, his rule and reign on the earth, and the earth is consumed by fire, like, that's too late. That's too late. Why is that too late, Kenny? Why, why can't I just wait until Jesus comes back and then I surrender to him? Because you're not really in his kingdom. See, his kingdom is about ruling and reigning in your life. If he doesn't rule and reign in your life, regardless of whether you can see it or not, he doesn't really rule and reign in your life. That's why so many people are looking for evidence of God before they'll truly believe God. They're like, you know what? If I could, if I could see Kenny... You know, pray and fire come down from heaven and like consume something at this altar. Man, I would be all about this Jesus guy. I would say, yeah, man, I'm all in on that. Well, of course, everybody would. Everybody would. That, but that's not the way that Jesus works. Jesus rules and reigns by love and not by evidence. 
You see, what he does is he says, you know what? I'm going to show you what I did on the cross, and you have a choice of whether or not to believe it. You have a choice as whether or not to accept it as truth. And if you accept me based on my word, then we call that thing, we call it faith. We call it faith. He says, I want you to come to me by faith. That's how I want you to come to me. Not as a result of what you see. Faith doesn't come by seeing. It doesn't come by seeing. It, it all starts inside here, right? That's why when his kingdom comes physically to the earth, that's why it's too late. Because you didn't really come to him by faith. You came to him by sight. And there's so many people today that are trying to do this very same thing, not necessarily about the coming of Jesus Christ, but they're doing this by saying, you know what, God, if you'll heal my cancer, then I'll believe you're real. You know what, God, if, you'll, if, if my child will not die, then I'll believe you're real. You know what, God, if you'll do this, if you'll give me some signs, some evidence, then I'll believe you're real. That's not the way you come to God. That's not the way you come to him. You come to him by faith, and by faith you say this. You say, no matter what happens to my child, no matter what happens to the cancer in my body, no matter what, you're still my God. And I still believe you rule and reign in my heart and in my life, regardless of what I can see with my own eyes. That's how you come to Jesus by faith. Jesus is saying right here, he says, you can't see it. You can't, there's no visible signs. You can't say, oh, it's over here, it's over there. You can't point to it. You can't draw a box around it. It's among you. It's inside you. It says, then he said to his disciples, because I believe that this is a, a, a gap in time here. So, so here he's talking to the Pharisees. Then Jesus talks to his disciples. This is his followers, okay? And he starts talking to them about a time when the, king, when the kingdom of of God will actually return, when it will actually come back and you'll be able to see it, and it will be all across the earth. There is a time coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. What he's saying here is not saying that, that you won't see it when it happens. He's saying you're going to be longing in your heart for the Son of Man to return. You're going to be longing for me to, to come back and set up my kingdom here. But that's not going to be the time when it happens. So you're going to be longing for a very long time for my kingdom returned, uh, to return. But, but it's not going to happen when you think that it does. It's not going to happen according to your time frame. It's not going to happen according to when you think it should happen. It's when the gospel's been preached to the ends of the earth and those who are to be saved are saved. That's when it happens. And some people say, well, oh, man, I want that, that time to hurry up. And, 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 and man, let's just, let's just get to that point. I want to do whatever I can to get to that point. Because we think that God's being slow and coming back to get us. Well, in 2 Peter, it answers that question too. In, in, in 2 Peter 3 9, it says, God is not slow in the way that you think that he's just being slow. But it is his desire that none should perish, but all come to repentance. It, it, before that, it even says, A day is like a thousand years to God. And, and you think that he's being slow. You think that he's slow to return. Man, it's only been two days. It's only been two days. But here Jesus is saying to his disciples, look at it. I mean, just think about this. So, so these guys, they've been following Jesus around. They've seen the miracles that he can perform. They've seen demons be cast out, lame people walk. I mean, like the dead be raised. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? And I'm sure in their hearts they were like, you know what, Jesus, all this struggle and strife that's going on around us, in particular the Romans having control over us, 
man, God should really be the one having control over us. Why don't, why don't you just take all that mess away? Why don't you just do away with it, set up your kingdom, and we'll just live with you here, and we'll be part of your kingdom. He said, you're going to long for it, and you're going to want to see it, but it's not going to come when you think it is. That's where we are today, right? We long for it. We desire. I remember so, so, so vividly when my daughter passed away, just like, man, I just wish, God, I just wish you would return. I just wish you would come and take us all away, that I wouldn't have to put up with this anymore, that I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore, that I wouldn't have to, to worry about the next day because I don't even want to breathe. I don't, I don't even want to take another breath, God. If you just come, come back and get us, then I wouldn't have to. And then I started thinking about 2 Peter 3, 9. It's his desire that none should perish, but all come to repentance. So I started thinking about everybody else. Everybody else. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my timing and my desires and my pain and my struggle. I started to look around me and I said, man, there's a lot of hurting people out there and a lot of them don't know Jesus. What about them? Yeah, I sure would like for my pain to go away. I sure would like for my suffering to go away. I sure would like for this or that or whatever, you know. But there's a lot of people that don't know him. Some of those people are sitting in here today. A lot of people don't know him. I know that a lot of people are trying to figure it out. A lot of people are trying to understand. And, and you want to know today, maybe what does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? Maybe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now to tell you that very thing. We have this longing and this desire for Jesus to return. But he looks at his disciples like, man, you're going to have a longing for it, but you're not going to see it when you think you're going to see it. And in verse 23 it says, people will tell you, look, there's a son of man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. Now this is something that, that has happened for ages, right? Where people say, well, Jesus is going to return in 1988. You need to be ready. We're all going to go here and, and hang out and, and look and, and look in the sky, wait for Jesus to return. Now, you, you know that this has happened. It's on CNN and stuff about every few years. You know, you'll see somebody, we know the date. God told so-and-so the date, and he wrote it in a book, and therefore, because it was published, it must be true. Or even worse, he put it on the Internet. It absolutely must be true then, right? There are all kinds of people that will tell you that they know when Jesus is going to return. We've got a date. We know when it's going to happen. If this happens, then Jesus is going to return. And Jesus just got done telling us, man, you're going to be longing to see it, but you're not going to see it. You're going to be hoping that it happens. Maybe, maybe he was even saying that you're going to be hoping that it happens in your lifetime, but you won't see it. And there are so many false prophets out there, people that will tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. It drives me crazy when people try to say they know when the Son of Man's going to return. You don't know. You don't know. Unless you're Jesus, then you do know. But, but if, you, if you're not Jesus, you don't know, okay? And, and a lot of people, they, they say this garbage, and they try to sell books this way, and it's just ridiculous, and it drives me crazy. And here Jesus is very emphatic. He says, don't listen to them. Don't listen to these false prophets. They're going to tell you, man, it's coming now. It's coming now. It's coming over here. It's going to be over there. We need to all go here. We need to all go there. He's, no, it's garbage. He says, don't go out and follow them. Then he starts to describe what it's going to be like when it happens. He says, you're not going to, you're not going to need to see it on CNN, okay? 
You're not going to wait till Fox News reports on it, and then you'll be able to see it. This is what he says. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. He's saying, you're going to be able to see it everywhere. It's going to be like lightning lighting up the whole sky. You know how it is when it's a thunderstorm, especially during the summertime? It's like the lightning, man. It's just like it's daylight for a second. And he said, Jesus says that's what it's going to be like, but it's going to be that way all the way around the earth. You're not going to have to go searching to find it. It's going to be right where you are. you got no further to look than straight up, and you'll be able to know that it's here. These people that have this idea that you got to go and you got to search this out and find this out and blah, blah, blah. And, man, you know what? If you're in the kingdom, if you're in the kingdom of God, you ain't got to go nowhere. <laughs> you ain't got to go anywhere. And, and you know what, what's also amazing to me is that, that people have crazy beliefs about, about when they die and when, when, you know, should I be cremated? Should I not be cremated? Should I just be in a casket? Because, you know, when the, when the dead are called to, to meet Jesus in the air and they're called up first, like, like what's going to happen to me if I don't have a physical body? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Jesus has got that taken care of. Uh, you may not understand it, but I promise you he's gotten it taken care of. Some people are like, well, I can't be cremated because I won't have a physical body. That does not stand in, you know, Jesus, like God created you out of dust. So it's not going to be a problem for him to recreate you out of dust. You know what I'm saying? Uh, September the 11th, the anniversary is coming up here soon. What about all those people that were crushed and basically there's nothing left of their physical body? You think they're like, they're doomed and they can't go to meet Jesus in the air? No, God's got it taken care of. He really does. It doesn't matter if you're scattered out on a beach or if you're, yeah, or you're, if you're, you're at a local cemetery down here in a casket, it doesn't matter. God's got it handled, okay? I, it, I don't know where people get stuff sometimes, but like it's just, they start talking, and before you know it, it's like, it's like stuff just takes off, and there's no biblical evidence for it at all. Yeah, that's exactly how Satan works, as a matter of fact, in case you're wondering. Just, you know, just people talking and not really digging into Scripture and what the Scriptures say. Um, I... I, I I think especially when it comes to the return of the Son of Man, I think when it comes to that, I think that we should truly listen to what Scripture has to say. There are a thousand books out there, a thousand different movies that will tell you what, what their interpretation of what it looks like when Jesus returns and when, when that happens. And what I can tell you is Scripture tells us what's going to happen. We don't have to look everywhere else. We don't have to look to fanciful movies or books or any of that other kind of mess, you know. You should spend more time reading this and less time reading that other stuff. Spend more time reading what God says and less time reading what somebody says God says. Sorry, I had to get on that soapbox for a little bit. Because I, 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 I deal with that a lot. I'm like, people will say, I, I was... I was listening to somebody talk the other day, and I want to go, like, I want to pull my eyeballs out. Just because, like, I, like that's not in Scripture anywhere. You just, you just, I want to stand up and say, you made that up. That ain't true. You made it up. It's not in there. Look it up. Tell me if it's in there. Give me a, give me a chapter and a verse. I'll be happy to, to go and look at it with you, but it ain't in there. My Jehovah's Witness buddy, Steve, man, I have this conversation with him sometimes when he comes to my house. He doesn't come to my house anymore. It's kind of sad. I don't get to talk to him about Scripture, but... Um, <laughs> I think he gave up, which is kind of sad. I was like, I'll never be a Jehovah's Witness now. So anyway, so, but I mean, like he would, he would say stuff to me and I'd be like, well, look, 
let's look it up. You got a Bible right there in your hand. Let's let's look it up, you know. And and so he'd be like, see what it says right here. I was like, Steve, buddy. Okay, look. Okay, I, I like taking scripture out of context as much as anybody, right? But we gotta at least back up. We only have to go to the back to the beginning of the chapter. Let's just go up to the top of the page and start reading. Will that be okay? And 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 the frustrating thing about my favorite Jehovah's Witness, Steve, is that he would never, ever give me the satisfaction of telling me I was right. And that, okay, if you know me very well, you know I like to be right, right? So anyway, um, but, but, but he would never give me that satisfaction. He would just go on to tell me another lie, and then we have to go and look up another piece of scripture. And I was like, dude, just give me like, you know what, Kenny, you might have a point on that one. You know, I just wanted that. But he never would give me that. It drove me crazy. There are so many things that God tells us and he tells us clearly in his word that we don't have to go looking somewhere else for somebody else to tell us. We can just look at what God has to say. Especially when it comes to the kingdom of God and understanding the kingdom of God. Especially in that area. And what is so crazy is that there's a thousand different views out there that aren't of God. I'm like, why don't we just listen to what God says about his kingdom? I think he's probably the, the aficionado on it. You know what I mean? Like... Like, surely he's the guru on what his kingdom looks like. I don't need a bunch of other stuff. So here, Jesus is saying, look, you won't have to go anywhere. It's, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be everywhere that you could go. There's no reason to go anywhere. And then he goes here. He, he, you know, it, and Jesus gives us a little Jesus juke here for us, right? But first, so... Everybody wants to look at the kingdom that is to come, and everybody wants to get excited about that, and I do too. Like, I am excited about my father's house, which is also Jesus' father's house, you know, that I get to live in my father's house. I'm excited about that. I really am. I'm excited about God coming to reign on the earth alongside his people and, and having that personal connection where, where you know, we don't, we don't, I mean, there's just daylight that just flows from God. We don't never have to rest. We don't, I mean, we don't have to sleep. We don't have to eat. Nothing. It's just the glory of God just consumes us and fills us. I'm excited about that. I really am. And we all want to look forward to that. And even the Pharisees are trying to look forward to that. And I think to some degree, even the disciples are trying to look forward to that because, man, they were just so ready for God's kingdom to come. He says, but first. Nobody likes to hear a but first. Like, can we just get to the end of the story? I don't want to have to read the 26 chapters leading up to it. I just want the last couple that tells me what happens. And here, Jesus is saying, but first. He's literally saying, hold your horses. But first. And this is the part that the, the Pharisees did not want to hear, for sure. And, and to some degree, probably his disciples didn't even want to hear this. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. Jesus is saying, I know that you're ready for the kingdom. I know that, that you're ready to be a part of my Father's kingdom. I know. I got it. But first, I got to suffer terribly. Now, his disciples did not want to hear that. They loved Jesus. They saw what he was capable of doing. They had walked around with him for three years. They, 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 they were connected with him. He was their best friend, you know. Nobody could have a better friend than Jesus, you know. So, I mean, he was really close to them. And he had sat down and he had cooked with them and he had ate with them. And, and they had sat around the campfire and talked and, and shared stories late at night, you know. And, 
and they recognized who he was and the fact that I'm getting to share a meal with God. I mean, like, can you even imagine that for just a second? Jesus cooked fish. We're going to have fish. God cooked a meal for me. That's pretty cool, you know? And here, they're, they're close to Jesus. They've gotten to be very, very close to him. And here he's saying, but I've got to suffer terribly. In order for this kingdom to happen, we've got to finish the first chapter of the story. And that is that I must suffer terribly. And be rejected by this generation. You see, they didn't, the Pharisees in particular, as they're, maybe they're still hanging around, maybe they're still listening to this. Jesus starts talking about the fact that he has got to suffer and he's got to die for the purposes of everyone's sin, for the purposes of everyone to be able to have and be a part of that eternal kingdom. And his disciples didn't like it. And the Pharisees are like, no, you can't, you can't take on the sins of the world because you're not God. And all he ever said was that he was God. So they're both, they're both struggling with this reality that he must suffer terribly and to be rejected. You see, the reason that he suffered terribly is because he was rejected. Because he was rejected as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because he was rejected for saying that he was the Son of God. For saying that he was God in flesh, that was the reason that he was rejected. That people had turned their back on him. You know what's so interesting about that is that is exactly what people do today. That is exactly how they reject God today is that they refuse to believe who he is who he says he is. They refuse to believe that he has this eternal kingdom. They refuse to say yes, yes, yes. And all they say is no, no, no. And they turn their back on the reality of who he is. Do you know what you have to recognize in order to be able to be a part of the kingdom of God? You have to recognize who the king is. You have to recognize who the king is. And it's, it's interesting to me that people want to be part of the kingdom of God without recognizing that Jesus is king. When you say that Jesus is king, you're not just saying that, 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 that he's a very powerful being, that he is God. You're saying that he's God to me. It's not a matter of what anybody else says that he is. It's who you say he is. If he is truly king to you, if he is truly Lord to you. And he rules and reigns by love. And, and this is the thing. You know what you know John 14, 15 says? If you love me, keep my commandments. And basically saying this, if you, if you truly love Jesus, if he truly reigns and rules in your life, then you'll follow him and you'll do as he says. You know what the evidence of you being in the kingdom is? You're doing what God says. You following him truthfully. Not just pretending to and not just confessing with your mouth, but believing in your heart and it really being real for you. You can say all day long that he's king, but if he's not king to you, he's not king at all, right? He's not truly king unless he rules and reigns in your life. And that's where people struggle. They're like, I'll say that he's king, but I don't want him to have control in my life. I'll say that he's Lord, but I don't want him to be Lord over me. I still want to be able to maintain myself and be able to do what I want to do without him changing anything about me. And he's not king then. You want to be in his kingdom, he's got to be king. He 
says that he has to suffer terribly and he has to be rejected. And that's exactly what happened. You see, they, they said, you know what? For saying that, for saying that you're God, that's blasphemy against God. No matter how many times you prove it, no matter what evidence there is, the fact that you're God, if you say that you're God, then that's blasphemy against God. And they hated him for that. And all Jesus could do was tell the truth, right? Because he was fully God and fully man. All he could do was tell the truth. Well, if he's to be rejected and he's supposed to suffer terribly, how's he going to do that? He'd have to do it by telling the truth. So what truth did Jesus have to tell that would cause him to be rejected and cause him to suffer terribly? There's one truth, and that's the fact that he's God. The very truth that rescues us is the reason that he was rejected by all of them. The reason that many people reject Jesus today is because they don't want to acknowledge him as king. They don't want to acknowledge him as God. They don't want to acknowledge him as Lord over their lives. If that's you, I don't know what to tell you besides the fact you're not in his kingdom. If, he, if he's not Lord of your life, he's not Lord at all. It's, it's something that's a plaque probably you can find down at the local Christian bookstore. But that's true. Because you want to be part of his kingdom and you want to be part of, uh, of what he is going to set up here on this earth. He says, you got to come to me. You can't come to me by what you see. you got to come to me by what you know. you got to come to me through this thing called faith. And, and faith comes by hearing. And, and, and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, when God challenges you through his Holy Spirit and through his word, he gives you this opportunity to come into his kingdom. He gives you this great opportunity to say no to yourself and yes to him. And when you do that, he becomes Lord. And when he becomes Lord, you're automatically in the kingdom because he's your king. Sometimes I know, man, I know we long to be able to see that so we can say, man, I'm part of this kingdom that physically exists. You know what's so much more precious than that is when Jesus is truly king of your heart, when he rules and reigns in your heart and everything about you is controlled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's an amazing place to be. That's a wonderful place to be. And when that happens, you don't care so much about seeing this physical kingdom here on earth. You're just tickled to death the fact that you're part of it. And it exists everywhere that you go. And the fact that it is inside you. I know. I know that we long for that day. But I tell you what, there's, there's this joy that comes with that first chapter. The first chapter of surrendering to him and saying yes to him. And recognizing that he suffered terribly and was rejected as a result of your sin, not his own. My prayer today is if you don't know him as king, you will. My prayer today is that you just come and you'll surrender everything to him and say, it's no longer me, God. It's all about what you want. It's all about your rule and your reign in my life. If you're in the kingdom and you truly are a child of God, you're reborn. You're reborn in the spirit. And you've got something that's troubling you today. Maybe today you want to fall down and say, you know what, God? I look forward to that kingdom that is to come and I'm excited about that day when you come to get us and we're all called to meet you in the air and I'm excited for that. But God, I am at peace right now knowing that your kingdom exists within me and you rule and you reign in my heart. Therefore, I have peace that surpasses all understanding. Maybe you just need to come and, and let him remind you of that today. Maybe you need to fall down on your face before him and say, God, I just need that peace that only you can.
Father, thank you so much, God, for the reality of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that the people here that aren't in your kingdom, they don't know you. You're not, you're not ruler of their lives, that God, that might maybe today they would come to know you. Maybe today they would surrender to you. I, I just believe that, that when, when that happened in my life, so many things made sense. And the more I get to know you, the more things make sense. Lord, I thank you for the fact that, Lord, what you have revealed to us, God, it just makes sense about how we come into your kingdom. Lord, and there's people here that are hurting. They're just hurting. They're in your kingdom. God, you rule and you reign in their lives, but they're, they're hurting. Stuff comes against us, God. It comes against us every single day, and maybe they're longing for that day when we be part of your kingdom physically. Lord, I just pray that you would give them comfort now. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside. What matters is that I'm king of your heart, and I rule and reign on the inside. And your heart's the most important thing, not what you can see with your eyes. Lord, I pray that you would restore people today, renew 